0: Hey everybody, Zach here. Hope you are having a fantastic week. I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you. But before we dive in, just wanted to give a quick thank you to our friends over at Mongoose for making today's conversation possible. So as enrollment marketers, we spend a lot of time, money, energy, and effort trying to get New prospects to our website, right? We launched digital ad campaigns. We spent a lot of money on paid search. We spent a lot of time and effort creating content to help boost our organic rankings. And Sometimes we forget, right, that getting people to the website is only half the challenge, right? Once they're on your site, you've got to deliver a really frictionless, really delightful uh, a user experience so that you're getting users to the information that they want as quickly as possible. And chatbots can help with this, right? Chatbots aren't brand new. We've been talking about chatbots for a while. You're seeing them pop up more and more on university websites. But there's a real difference between a basic chatbot and a true enterprise virtual assistant a true enterprise virtual assistant is technology that helps visitors complete tasks that normally only a human would be able to assist with. So, more complicated queries, more complicated questions. So, what your website might actually need, right? If you're worried about your user experience if it's not, you know, uh, up to snuff, what your website might really need is Harmony, which is brought to you by Mongoose. You can learn more about how you can use Google Analytics to evaluate whether or not your site can get by with a basic chatbot or whether it might need something like Mongoose's Harmony. So, you can learn more about this by accessing a new free free guide uh, at mongoose forward slash enrollify that's mongoose forward slash enrollify and this guide will help you determine what sort of chat bot you need and how to better your user your site user experience as a whole so thanks guys again that's mongoose forward slash enrollify enjoy today's episode And welcome everyone to the Enrollify podcast. It's been a couple weeks. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and was able to socially distance as much as as much as possible. Um, it's good to be back with you all this week. And today I am chatting with Artis Kadu, who is the founder and CEO of Element 451. Welcome to the show, Artis.
1: Thanks for having me, Zach.
0: Well, artist, um, as we were just talking about, we've uh, we've spoken a couple times recently. It's been fun. We've uh, we've got some cool content, uh, collaboration content coming out between Element and Enrollify, which is really exciting. So uh, it's good to be chatting with you this morning.
1: <laughs> it's same here, same here.
0: Um, well, I like to start uh, every interview with a different opening question that at least loosely corresponds to the topic of of the day, the topic of this week's episode. So my question for you artists is, I'd love to hear about a recent experience that you've had with a brand um, that was elevated as a result of the personalization they used. In other words, how did the company use personalization to positively increase your happiness uh, as a customer?
1: Yeah, that's personalization is something that we experience every single day, but um, there is actually a couple of them that come to mind. Uh, one of them is something that happened very recently. Um, and it was actually the, the receiver of that was not myself, but it was uh, it was my kids. Um, we, for those of you who have, who have young kids and have gone through the process of having an elf on the shelf, uh, every year you have to move him around, um, in order for, um, the elf to be in a different, uh, location. Uh, and hence he goes to the North pole every, every night and it comes back and reports back to Santa to see how good your kids were. Um, well, this year, um, we decided to... Say, let's take advantage of this, um, of the COVID situation and let's see if we can quarantine the elf for two weeks so we don't have to move him around and forget (laughs) about it. So, so what we did is, um, I don't know, many of you probably have heard of Etsy, um, and Etsy is a great marketplace and it's the quintessential, um, not very small scale personalization shop. So, we went on Etsy and sure enough, we, um, we found a, um, a product that was personalized to our kids with their name on it from Santa with the address and um, it was delivered uh, to our door uh, with the elf inside and the kids you know we rang the doorbell the kids got outside and they said wow it's it's a present from santa it's a it's a package from Santa from the North Pole. It had their names on it, their address, and sure enough, the elf was inside and they totally bought it so they they believe that the elf now needs to quarantine for 2 weeks so keeping that magic alive was a, was a little interesting um uh, story there but that's just uh, at a very low scale um another example of personalization that's that's one of my favorites and i still continue to uh, to be amazed by how uh, forward thinking and and how technology uh, is, is enabling it is Netflix. So for those mm-hmm. of you who obviously it's a brand that many of us have come to love, uh, especially since we're spending a lot of time in front of it, it's kind of captured our, our attention. Um, Netflix is is the, one of the best brands that does personalization really well because of the content. So it has a lot of history and I log into my Netflix account and it knows exactly what I want to watch. Mm -hmm. It knows exactly where I left things off. It knows exactly what kind of um, images or what kind of uh, pictures are, uh, kind of posters are more appealing to me because of my history and my behavior. And for a particular show, um, I mean, this has fascinated me, so I've done a little bit more research into their algorithms and how they do it. but let's for a particular show they would have um anywhere between two dozen to um to fifty or so different poster images, and they wow. would target those to different. Uh, audiences or to different segments depending on their prior history. So, for the same exact recommendation show, you can be getting a different poster, a different preview, um, than perhaps your your spouse because she watches rom coms and then you watch I don't know uh, goofy comedies, for example.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I I had wondered, yeah. I I had I actually had this experience um, even with. I, my, my wife and I hop around to different Airbnbs these days and depending on the house, the, depending on the Airbnb that we're at, sometimes they have Netflix and they have like an account for the actual place that we say. So we don't have to log into our own account. Other times we've got to log into uh, our own account or we just bring like our, our Apple TV. And what's funny is I have actually seen a difference in the poster art, depending on whether I log in with my account um, or whether or not I'm like logging into the account that is, uh, at the, you know, associated with the, with the Airbnb stay. So that's fascinating. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, those are, those are great examples. Um, well done. I mean, I'm impressed. Uh, I, I love the elf on the shelf one as well too. <laughs> so hopefully the parents out there can, can relate and Hey, maybe even snag this, this idea, um, uh, for them to use in their context. Um, my next, my next question for you is in order to just get a, to know a little bit more about who you are and what Element 451 is, one of the questions I love to ask folks is if you're sitting on a plane, you know, it's post-COVID, it's a little bit more socially acceptable to fly, and the person next to you asks you what you do. They're not the kind of person that wants to chat for the entire flight, but they're also not going to let you get away with a simple answer like, I lead an ed tech company. So how do you tell them what you do and how do you explain what element 451 is?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I've had to answer that question quite a bit um, over the past couple of years, moving to a new community. Um gives me an opportunity to meet a lot of new people and, um, you know, obviously one of the first things that you do is, well, what do you do? Um, and it's not quite I lead an ed tech company because not many people know what an ed tech company is, but um, I usually tell them I lead a small software company, uh, Element 451, and I tell them that we build software that help colleges and universities market communicate and manage the application process of prospective students. Um, so I tell them to think about that one of the names that they most likely have heard, which plays in our space is Salesforce. So I tell them to think about Element 51 as the Salesforce for higher education.
0: Fantastic. Very, very well said. Um how do you then explain what you do um you know you lead the company what is your what does artist's day to day look like and then also if you want to just give a a quick you know couple minute sort of crash course on the history of element um i think that that would be super helpful for our listeners
1: sure yeah um i mean as the ceo it's it basically stands for um Chief, everything officer, right? So. <laughs> That's good. I, okay. I actually have not
0: heard that one. That's fantastic.
1: I don't know if I've been living
0: under under a rock, but um, love it, love it.
1: It it feels like you're you're wearing many many hats and you're doing everything right. So from especially when you're a, when you're a smaller software company, and um, you know, I love it because my day to day looks very different from one day to the other to the other. Uh, The best parts of my day are usually when I get to interact with um, either prospective partners or current partners. And I try to understand problems and try to solve them, but then also building technology. And um, because we're, a you know our our teams are very forward looking in terms of technology it really excites me building systems and and building tools that are kind of solving those problems and and the speed at which we're building them is is really um uh, really interesting so that changes day to day and week to week and month to month
0: fantastic that's that's super helpful and um, yeah, I would imagine, too, just given sort of the environment that we're in, we're living through right now, um, that the past, you know, seven to, uh, you know, I guess we're into month nine here. Um, has been have been especially exciting as a technology company that's helping serve colleges and universities i would imagine that your team has had to adapt a fair amount um, and you know probably seen a, a dramatic uptick in sort of just you know uh, requests uh, asks for help both from existing customers and from from new folks who are realizing oh my gosh we really need a powerful CRM and marketing automation platform in order to be able to effectively communicate right now um so i imagine that you guys have had to kind of pivot and um and you know grunt uh uh, grunt out a lot uh over these past several months
1: yeah no absolutely you're absolutely right zach um i mean the the importance of um the transition between face-to-face and uh and online and, and kind of this virtual recruitment is uh has come very very fast and element is really uh, really well situated in that area, and that's that's kind of been our, our long term vision that everything would be moving digital and and kind of this idea of personalization and automation um, and technology uh, you know aided recruitment is uh, was was there since the beginning. What's happened is that COVID has accelerated that roadmap has accelerated that that process for us. So we've uh, uh, we've kind of gone into a high gear uh, because of that acceleration
0: wow wow yeah no it's exciting times exciting times um sure that you all have learned a lot um and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the Uh, augmentations that you all have made to the platform uh, in in a little bit here. But I want to have a conversation today about the personalization, really the importance of personalization in higher ed marketing communications and enrollment management. And I I would love to, as we sort of briefly chatted about before we hopped online here, um, I'd love to talk about personalization from both the perspective of the prospective student and then sort of the value that personalization brings to the enrollment management team. Um, so I want to start with the student side of things. Can you just talk to us a little bit about how you've seen schools adapt their communications to increase personalization over just the last couple of years? You could even just talk you know, about how they've done so over the past few months in light of COVID. But what are a couple of like the, your favorite examples that you've seen that you can point to on how schools have increased personalization Uh, in the context of their communications to deliver a better experience to prospective students?
1: Yeah, so over, um, when you think about most of us are used to content personalization, right? So we talk about a personalization and and the first thing that comes to mind is those merge tokens that you replace a name or perhaps a program of interest in your communications, but it, it just goes way beyond that, right? Anything that can be um, automated, every, anything that you know about a student or that potential student, um, you are now able to use that information to um, to make their experience better, easier, give them the information that they need, and kind of push them to the next um, the next action, and kind of uh, push them to 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 the next. Uh, funnel stage, or, or you know, perhaps um, push them to the, an application, or whatever your your next step is. So we talk about merge tokens, but content has become um, uh, it's a lot more complex now. Uh, what we've seen is that schools have graduated from content token replacements. If so they've moved into um, that's just table stakes at this point. They sure. have moved into. Uh, personalization of full content blocks, like images and call to actions. Um, so they're replacing full content within uh, the communication itself to basically send images to a student who is interested in nursing uh, with uh, images that, that correspond to that specific program. And students who are engineer, uh, interested in engineering uh, send them images that correspond to, to engineering. And perhaps if they're out of state or versus in state, um, they're sending them images that correspond to a campus uh, location versus the city. So they're personalizing the content blocks themselves, the imagery, the, the media, rather than, and they're looking at it as a full experience on that on that communication, rather than uh, just merge tokens about what that student has told them. Um, the other part that's really interesting, and, and a lot of schools are adopting this also, is this idea that it's not just content that is can be personalized, right? Yeah. But it's also Timing and it's also uh, so it's also the timing of when uh, communications go out so rather than um, you know having cadences that are pre prescribed based on the school's time, now the cadence is also it, it's driven by actions and triggers from the student side, so that's really changes the behavior because as we know. Um, this triggers, like students take actions or consumers, for that matter, take actions when they're in the context of what they're trying to do and the timing is right. So they, you know, obviously the, the biggest example of this is is Amazon. You are on their website. You're looking at something. You leave. Two minutes later, you're getting pounded with, uh, you know, ads, you're getting pounded with emails, you're um, with recommendations on those, that stuff that you left in the cart, or perhaps you were looking at. So they know that timing is super important. So schools are now understanding that, and they're trying to send communications out based on user behavior and user triggers. Um, One of the most recent examples um, that we've seen, uh, and, and it's performed really, really well, sometimes double the the open rates of this communications is this um, uh, one of our partners, uh, Cornell Tech, they're, they're triggering communications based on students visiting certain pages on their website where now they know that they visited this page and then a couple hours later, they're sending them a pre-built communication with the content blocks of the pages that that student Um, visited telling them hey rather than you sending us an rfi form to request more information we're actually sending you information about these pages that you visited in a more uh, curated fashion so now the students are of course opening those emails and the action is actually or the the conversion rate on what they're clicking is actually a lot higher as well so it, it goes both ways content has to be matched with timing as well
0: i i love that example and lots of uh ideas just just right off the bat there and as as you're talking artists i'm I'm just reminded that like you know when, when you think about sort of blast email communications which is still a lot of what schools do even in sort of the era where we have a lot of these incredibly powerful systems and these uh remarkably intelligent tools so many schools still sort of default to sort of the the one-off email blast. Um, or, right, you spend all this time building out your communications flow. It's, you know, nine to ten emails long, and, you know, as people... Uh, fall into that flow, right? You have a very sort of uh, scripted seven-day delay between emails one and two and another four-day delay between emails two and three. But the reality of the situation is that people are going to move through the enrollment funnel at very different rates depending on who they are, depending on what they're interested in, depending on what other schools or programs they're considering. And so it's funny, like our approach to communications, even quote-unquote personalized communications where you've got like six different personalization tokens Within the context of that email, uh, is is pretty archaic from a timing perspective. It's almost it's almost like the relationship between like cable TV and like Netflix. It's like you know traditionally you had to go and you had to watch the program from you know nine p.m. to ten p.m. And if you didn't if you weren't there sitting in front of the TV during that time, you would miss the content. You'd miss the program. Um, And what's funny is like we we sort of treat email the same like blast email the same way still of like. Okay, we're gonna send this at 4 30 p.m. on Tuesday. They better view it. Um, and the funny thing is, it's like, no, we live in a world, we live in the world of Netflix, as you were talking about earlier, right? We live in a world where content can live on forever and actually should be personalize, personalized and tailored to when is Zach specifically most likely to open and click through an email versus when is artists most likely to open and click through an email artist has kids he's up at you know 5 a.m zach doesn't have kids he might not roll out of bed until 8 a.m right like those sort of uh nuances should go into um when zach is sent to communication versus when artist is sent to communication and i love how you've sort of brought up this important note that personalization is so much more than just content it's it's timing too um so I, I love that that makes that makes a ton of sense and um, I really like the the example that you shared of, of Cornell Tech too and I think that's something that just not a lot of schools are doing right now. And what's funny is the technology exists, right? like these tools they're available um, and it's just there, there's some sort of friction involved in like the implementation of these strategies and these tools because more folks should be taking. A note from amazon um and you know it's funny just last night i'm sitting next to my wife and we were watching a show and she was talking about some like beauty product she's interested in and then literally like five minutes later i'm on facebook and an ad for that product shows up right yep. within five minutes right and of me sitting sitting next to her right it was super creepy but that's the world that we live in. And when it comes to enrollment management and marketing communications in higher ed, it seems like we're just like so far uh, behind the times. Um, and it's I think a good reminder for our listeners today that this stuff exists, right? This isn't like you don't have to be Amazon to have the ability to send these sorts of communications, right, or to personalize your enrollment journey in in this way. like, these tools are available and, and accessible right now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So
0: Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
1: To kind of add a little bit more to that is, um, is this whole idea of, of brands and trust around the uh, persons or around the, the communications themselves. So, you know, when, when you start the benefit of, of personalization is not just the ability for the school to, um, you know, to say, Hey, we send personalized communications or we send it at the time that the student wanted. So, so the effect of personalization is that it's all in the benefit of trust or building trust. When, when you're communicating with somebody face to face, you understand where you know you, you're absorbing communi- you're absorbing information about them and then now you're able to react and and kind of evolve the conversation and there is a a, a, bu- a trust that's being built between um, uh, between two people and as as humans, we trust. Uh, people that are close to us that understand us and know us better. So that's why we trust our families. We trust, um, you know, people that we are in constant communication with that, that are in our lives every single day. So it becomes, it comes the same thing with brands as well. So the more we, uh, we utilize a brand, the more trust we build in that brand Mm. and the more, um we use them again. So it's kind of perpetuating um the cycle. And, and it becomes really important to communications as well because as, as those school as as a school, the more you know about the student, the student feels like you know them and you trust them. And the conversion or perhaps that that you know conversion of, of buying or them coming to a program or understand you know coming to your school it is more um more likely because they trust you more, right? Yeah. So this whole idea of trust is very, very important in personalization, um, and that's that's why brands like Amazon, like I, I would I look at a product, but because I don't want to go through the process of signing up for that particular website. And I don't, I don't trust it for that matter. Um, I look for the same exact product on Amazon if they have it and get it from there. So it's, uh, you know, and this has happened with Apple pay as well lately. So I would look at a, at a, at kind a of product and I'll say well I don't want to go through the uh, credit card you know sign up process so if they have apple pay then I will do it because you know I trust apple
0: yeah yeah that's super super interesting and um yeah I think that that's sort of the the missing piece that um especially higher education institutions um from a branding perspective sort of, often sort of miss um and you know as you're again as you're talking here one of the things i'm just thinking about sort of like my own behavior and when there are so many times when it's like i'm interested in a product and i'm thinking about buying this thing and i i just get distracted or i get busy and it's it's actually not because i'm like not interested in the product it's like i might not be in a position or like i'm you know i'm waiting at the gas station um and my wife you know we we drive all over the place so she like runs into use the restroom i'm sitting in the car scrolling on my phone i find something i like i'm like oh i really like this t-shirt i want to buy it then she gets back into the car right and i got to i got to drive and so i forget about it and like i know for certain brands like like any product that is is available on amazon amazon will remind me to go back to that later and i actually take like assurance in that. Like I'm like okay, well, you know what, whatever like. And then when I get that email and Amazon's reminding me, it's sort of like this weird like confirmation that you know what, I am supposed to buy this thing, which is so ridiculous and so silly, and yet like that is my expectation as a consumer is that hey, if if these if this brand is really that good, if they really know what they're doing, they'll follow up with me and I'll, and I'll buy it later.
1: Exactly.
0: And we don't like higher ed doesn't have that, that mindset often. So I'm curious to kind of shift the conversation. Um, now just, just a bit artists. I want to talk about how personalization actually empowers enrollment managers to more effectively nurture prospects through their journey to, uh, to enrollment. So Over the last few years, I'm curious how you think technology has helped enable the use of personalization uh, in communications to become easier. Uh, Another way of just thinking about this is how has personalization enabled admissions teams to make smarter decisions in deciding who they engage with, how they engage with them, and, and to your earlier point, when they engage with them?
1: Yeah, so when you think about, I mean, this goes back to, to marketing and kind of this idea that we have um, three variables or three things that we talk about marketing all the time. We talk about right audience, right time, right message. So, um, and, you know, if you want to, translate that into other, um, there's other ways of of thinking about it, but these three components fit really nicely in, in any kind of marketing or outreach or, um, you know, campaign altogether. So right audience, um, means that you want to find the best suitable students to reach out to, um, and there is a lot that goes into that. For example, you know, you want to know their biodemographic data. You want to uh, kind of segment those audiences based on program of interest or uh, location. But then also there is a third level that you're segmenting them now based on behavioral data as well. So, so the behavioral data has become more and more important Uh because it's it's kind of grouping people uh, and it's it's bringing up this this idea of engagement score as well. Uh, right, content uh, is you know one of the things that is probably the hardest thing to do, right?
0: Yeah. The right yeah. content
1: because it, it's very labor intensive, but even when you're building all this content, it's very hard to deploy it to to tools. So over the last few years, um, and I know in Element, uh, what we've done is we have built tools to make it easy to deploy personalized content, deploy all these different pieces of content that can uh, change and that can think about it as smart content, right? So depending on what the audiences are, the content will adjust to... Uh, to those audiences that you picked before, or to those segments, and then the third part is the timing component. So um, we talked about before around the the, the stream or the communication stream, um, and, and that's really hard as well, right? So um, you you can the tools are set up to you know to be predefined in terms of when you're sending stuff out and how you're doing communicating it's more and more important now to bubble up, um, at the individualized level, how to do this. So it's mass personalization and mass automation that, that are kind of the the saviors. And there's, there's two things. I mean, there's a few things that, that come to mind. Um, um, or, or specific areas in technology that have evolved. Um, These powerful communication engines that we're building now, right? So like I said, with Element, we, we're building uh, email builders and landing page builders that that have this personalization component built in. Uh, the behavioral data that we're collecting on, on our CRMs and the tools in there um, the uh, the rise of artificial intelligence and AI in actually churning through that behavioral data in order to bubble up things like uh, engagement scores on students and, and to kind of give the uh, counselors or to give that en- enrollment manager the um, a visibility into who is engaging with their communications, who is engaging with the school, um, and then even further than that, um, we talk about smart uh, delivery of content as well. So that AI is also helping in figuring out when to send certain things to certain users. So the combination of all of those, like that's, it's really enabled a lot of the, um, uh, this personalization at scale become easier because the machines are actually doing a lot of that rather than, um, you know, the, the folks in, in the enrollment offices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about here at enrollify is where enrollment management is going. Um, you know, is is a, in a very similar direction right as just where any sort of marketplace is going where the where a yeah, transaction uh, a transaction between something that a company is selling and uh, a customer is buying happens and what where sort of we're headed is we're headed to a point where the customer journey, right? The the student journey is completely individualized down to the individual prospect, um, <laughs> as opposed to even like a segment of prospects, right? So like where we're at right now is, you know, a, a lot of our, our more sophisticated systems can do things like you're saying, artists, which is like, okay, let's, you know, based off of the audience and based off of how these, these groupings of people are performing, let's funnel them into they, like these pathways. Like, do you like engineering? Great, you get the engineering photo. Do you like nursing? Are you interested in nursing? You get the nursing photo. Um, from there, right, where we're going to get is, okay, Zach is interested in engineering. He only opens emails at Tuesday on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. He only clicks through emails, though, at Wednesday at you know 10 a.m um he's also really interested in um the chess club uh because he just watched the queen's gambit and then what he's also really interested in uh betting understanding is like uh what are his financial aid options he's paying for school by himself his parents aren't going to help him right so let's send zach this nurturing sequence it's going to get that and that's just scratching the surface right like but that's where everything is headed and what when i think about And that, you know, that serves a lot of value to, to the user, to the prospective student like Zach, because Zach's only getting the stuff that he actually cares about. But where that helps the enrollment management team, as you're hitting on artists is it helps just make it way clearer on around who should I be talking to, right? And how should I be talking to them? And when should I be talking to them? And, you know, where we're going is, and again, there are, there are schools that are doing this really well already, but we're just really just scratching the surface here is we're getting to a point where you're going to walk into, you know, your office, whether that's your home office or an actual building on campus, and you're going to know exactly who the most qualified people that you should be speaking with as an admissions counselor each hour of the day are based off of, you know, how frequent what their last touch point with your brand, uh, was. And that's really exciting because, a lot of the friction that exists right now in enrollment management teams is like, okay, well, I'm calling all of these people and I spend, you know, two hours a day follow, trying to make phone calls and follow up with people about who have started apps but haven't finished them, right? And it's, it's very defeating when you call 100 people and five answer, right, throughout a day. Like, that's no way to live your day. Like, what technology is going to enable us to do even more of is optimize our time so that we're essentially helping generate the greatest return on investment for the human capital that we're allocating to a particular task. And that is really, really exciting. And I think should give enrollment management teams like a lot of hope. Um, And I, I think that what this does to artists is, The the, the marriage between great technology and great personalization is also going to help brands better understand their unique value proposition. Because if I can understand what specifically it is that people are responding to in our communications and what specifically it is that is, like, sealing the deal for different populations of students at the end of the day, I think that reinforces, like my identity as an institution, which should then go into, uh, be translated into additional communications so that you can reach more people who are looking for those specific things. So I don't know if any of that made sense, but I get really excited because I think that, uh, the future for enrollment management teams is one that is, uh, much more data centric. Um, and as you guys talk about at element 451 all the time, you guys talk about, uh, you know intelligent admissions and like a, that is the future um is is empowering our teams with the resources the insights that they need in order to make the best possible decisions with their time
1: exactly exactly i mean right now that's the most expensive um uh line item budget that we have is is the time and our and the people the human capital so um at the end of the day if we can more effectively utilize that, like you said, Zach, it's, you know, it, it makes it, it makes a huge, huge difference. We only have a certain amount of time in the day and, uh, and the better we can use that, the, the more effective we can be. Couldn't
0: agree more. All right. I have a couple final questions for you. Um, the first one is just, uh, is a fun one. Um, I, at least I think it's fun. Um, and I'm curious just from your perspective as somebody who is deep in tech, um, but also really understand sort of like the uh, greater landscape of enrollment management, the greater lands- landscape of higher education, marketing, communications. When you think about 2025, right, for five years out, or really even just four-ish years out, um, what do you think a personalized communications experience looks like?
1: I mean, we can, (laughs) we can paint a picture, but as a technologist, I like to think in terms of systems and, um, and kind of delivery mechanisms. So when I think 2025 and and we've seen this trend um, happening over and over again is the idea of multi-channel communications and personalization is key. So not only will you be able to personalize, but also personalize across all channels. So the delivery channel wouldn't really matter it's a ma- it, it it's just at the communication level hmm. that you're um, you're focusing on, at that communication so think about a message that you send it doesn't matter where you know how you're sending or what channel you're sending it to because the person who is receiving it can be receiving it on their phone, on their TV. They can be receiving it on their, um, on their smartwatch. They can be receiving it on Facebook. They can be receiving that message, um, you know, on their, on their email or on SMS. So the channels are going to be, um, uh, one of the main, well, the different channels, multi-channel. So you're sending communications multi-channel. So that's, that's really, really exciting, uh, because now we have to focus on, on messaging, uh, rather than, well, we need to know how to send better emails versus better SMS messages. Well, it's ultimately it's the same message that you're sending out. So hmm. let's, um, you know, let, let's focus on the message rather than the, the channel.
0: That's that yeah, that's super interesting. Um, Yeah, and I like the idea of channel becoming, not agnostic, but, like, to communications, but just being um, less important than the actual message, Um, especially as, like, you know, uh, more and more people use their phone as their primary vehicle to communicate to send and sort of receive communications and you know your the experience on your phone even if you're on email or chat or social media it's a pretty congruent experience like across like the apps the applications um which i think just goes to just reinforces your point about the need to focus more on the actual messaging and ensuring that the the language, um, is, is consistent and is good, um, is, is great rather. Um, I think that that's sort of where there's also just a lot of room right now in sort of the greater higher ed, uh, space. There's, there are just so many programs that have very, very, very consistent messaging. Um, and, and this is consistent in a bad way, meaning, you know, school, a, or program A at school A sounds just like program B at school B's uh, messaging and their unique value propositions are sort of like those the same four bullet points. Um, and I think what if, I, if I'm if i hearing you correctly, I think where there's going, the thing that's going to separate sort of like the wheat from the chaff here are the people that really nail sort of the unique value propositions. And in order to do that well, like messaging is obviously sort of a huge component of UVP. And that's going to matter a lot more in a world where uh, communications are, have been centralized Um and, and, you know, it channel it. There's, there's in, in one way, in one sense, there's an increasing number of channels. Um, there's lots of opportunities for you to get your messaging out. But if that's not consistent, um, like Amazon is consistent by uh, a continual badgering of your inbox, a continual badgering of your social feed. If that's not happening, um, and if that message isn't consistent, you're just going to miss out on a lot of low hanging fruit. So, um that's that that makes a lot of sense to me and i think is very important
1: yeah yeah exactly um one more thing i want to add to the um what it's going to look like from a uh from a systems perspective as well is this idea of well actually we're seeing a lot of um a lot of companies and when acquisitions and and kind of consolidation in the market as well um you know very recently is actually uh, today, as we we're speaking, there was um, uh, there was some talk about uh, Salesforce acquiring Slack.
0: Yeah,
1: um, we use Slack very, very heavily in our uh, in our company, and it's essentially become the um, the dissemination of information it actually happens on Slack. So all of our workday happens in Slack. Now, if you combine that with a CRM or or a tool like Salesforce, so it becomes even more interesting because it kind of bridges the gap between this transactional um, communication and the uh, long lasting uh, data store of behavior. And so it, essentially it gives you, it you know, it gives access to not only um, the, the data that's persistent, but then also content messages. So you can infer, Hey, uh, John was feeling, you know, down this day because now we can, we can get that out of the conversations that he had versus, you know, he's feeling more positive two days from now versus three days from now. So, so you're able to track a lot more and that becomes even more exciting because the more you know about somebody, the more you can, um, kind of personalize um, not just the communication, but the more you can personalize touch points. So um, the availability of data and uh, the richness and the, um, uh, the deep access to that data, not just um, activity information, but also things like, uh, like messaging, messages and voice. You mentioned voice before, well, those ads came from, you know, um, you're, you're somebody listening to to your conversation and yeah. essentially putting you down to certain keywords in there. So it's the same thing that comes up over and over again.
0: Love it. No, that makes a, a lot of sense. And um, I guess to just sum all of this up, it's going to be really, really interesting to see um, how the next five years go, especially as, you know, 2020 for for all the things that it was, um, also dramatically accelerated, um, your average person's adoption of things like video chat, right. And the ability to, um, do work from anywhere, um, mostly remotely. Right. And so that we've just come so far in just a really short nine months. It's like nine months we jumped forward, you know, people are saying five to 10 years, um, in terms of the, our adoption rate of new tools and apps and all obviously that has a huge bearing on, you know, the personalization uh, involved in those experiences. So, who knows where, where we'll be in five years? But um, I think one thing is for sure, which is that we're only going to get more personalized. Um, and for schools that aren't already headed in that direction, it's it's really really time to think critically about your communications plan and ensuring that. You're optimizing for individual individuality more so than you are for even just general audience segmenting,
1: hey Zach, what do you think about the notion of the the way that uh, schools are reviewing students' applications? Um, we've actually seen uh, kind of an accelerated trend towards the traditional way of reviewing applications with the test optional Um, you mentioned video now versus the on-person interviews. So how do you think that's actually changing? And it does that affect on how the whole recruitment model works overall?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, And, you know, I've seen people do a variety of different things um, recently to try to make sense of of these trends. Um, What I think is going to, what will in all likelihood happen is as more and more schools it is really just sort of the uh, the val the um, the questions, the questioning around sort of like the value of a traditional four year degree. I believe that that's going to continue to I, it's going to get more popular. People are going to think differently about the value of college um, they you know already have. Um, that we've been trending in that direction, but I think it's just going to be accelerated because of COVID, um, which I think means that what schools are going to need to do is they're going to need to think like actually start to think about the whole profile, the whole makeup of prospective students, meaning, right you're going to have to go beyond sort of the traditional gpa test score you know how did how did how did folks you know uh score from a purely sort of like academic standpoint right now sort of like your extracurriculars are sort of like these they're they're like nice side dishes but they're definitely not the entree right of the meal and schools just aren't we're not at a point where schools are like I genuinely thinking about sort of like the whole picture even that like that's a nice marketing message and sure some schools are but your more competitive schools are still sort of looking at you know your your GPA, your test scores. Um so what I think is actually going to happen as a result of all of this is sort of the a disruption in sort of the admissions process and what I think Uh, in all likelihood, we'll see is we'll see things like students actually putting together, you know, creative montages like they do on like the Zimi app. I think Zimi is sort of like a really interesting company and a very interesting uh, model as far as recruitment goes. And I think things like that will just increase in popularity. I also think students are going to want admissions decisions way quicker than they're used to getting them now. So like I predict we're going to see like a 48 hour turnaround uh, time in sort of like from the time you submit your application till when you get, you know, a decision. I don't think that schools are going to be able to afford sort of, you know, this ivory tower sort of uh, wait and see sort of approach that we've been used to. And I think that they're going to, unless you're sort of a top, top, top tier, you're in like the top, you know, 5% of institutions. I really think you're going to have to start thinking very critically about the entire student. Um, as opposed to just sort of like the core kind of benchmark uh, evaluators that schools are that schools are used to um, evaluating prospects from. So I guess to sum up that very long winded answer, I think that the time to getting results right from your uh, your application is going to be dramatically accelerated. It's going to have to be, and the school the first you know players that like really make that popular are going to see uh, huge spikes in in applicants, um, and then two. I really do think schools are going to have to get real with themselves about how do we evaluate, how do we find and source talent that um, in ways beyond just the GPA, the, the name of the high school um, and, you know, a test score. Okay, well, um, one final question for you artists. Um, I know I was super long-winded with my previous answer, but for the sake of time, we're just going to roll right into this final question. Um, And that is, what does element 451 as a product plan to how, I guess uh, how is actually a better way of asking this question. How does element 451 as a product plan to evolve with respect to personalization? And, and just, you know, uh, uh, maybe a simpler way of answering this question is what are a couple of things on your all's 20 product map for uh, product roadmap for 2021? What are a couple of those things, um, that you can share with us right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, essentially making bets um, based on some of the trends and the things that we're seeing um, and also our, our vision for for the future of of where um, higher education marketing and marketing in general is going. And and we're betting on more channels. So we're adding uh, the ability for, for schools to target students on their websites uh, through, through a lot of the web channels as well, Uh, better content. So the ability for, Uh, schools to uh, jumpstart their content strategy and automation through uh, pre-delivered or pre-built content automation uh, with packs. We're adding AI, more AI into the product. And that is a direct um, outcome of the data collection that that we're doing, and kind of the activity and behavioral uh, data and, and modeling that we're doing as well, uh, and that leads to things like smart content and smart segment and smart delivery. So we're touching base on all three of the things that we talked about earlier. Where smart content now you just have a pool of content, and you tell. You pr- you put a smart block in a communication, and you say uh, customize the content or pick the right content for this particular person on your own, rather than me figuring out what those uh, what those parameters are. And smart delivery talks about, or, or we we're focusing on smart delivery that. Rather than having a workflow figure out, okay, send it seven days from now, we're based on AI, we're figuring out that, hey, this student is more likely to open it at this time of day. And based on other historical uh, behavioral and other students, we know that if we send this communication out or this uh, this trigger email out, then uh, a student who receives it two days later, this other email two days later, is has a better chance of opening it. Um, so those are some of the things that we're working on right now and available, they're going to be available in 2021. Um, now technology moves really fast. So there's a lot more <laughs> in there that we're focusing on personalization, but, uh, but this idea of more channels, uh, smarter content, smarter segmentation, um, it really, really, um, uh, will change how we, how we build on top of, uh all of our current capabilities
0: well i'm very very excited to see sort of how you all continue to augment the platform and um for folks that are interested in learning more about element and sort of how you all are charting the a new path with respect to how institutions of all shapes and sizes more effectively use technology and personalization to nurture folks throughout the enrollment process um what is the best way for them to get in touch with
1: you so you can go to our website at element451.com um, or you can just email us directly at connect at element451.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, artist, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. I know that we ran over here, so uh, appreciate your patience and uh, looking forward to staying connected and hearing from you um, probably again sometime soon. So uh, uh, really excited to uh, have you on the show and um, uh, excited to see sort of how Element continues to evolve in the near future.
1: Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you are an enrollment marketer, working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.